0: All right. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Those of you who uh, who attend the prayer meeting on Wednesday, which, by the way, everybody is welcome to. We're not uh, selective at all. You may remember I've asked over the years, occasionally for prayer, for a friend of mine called Fernando. He was a coworker at a previous job, and we keep in touch. So we have lunch. Maybe uh, every other month or so. And I had a lunch with him this week. And Fernando goes to uh, an Assemblies of God church, so different from our church, but he's a, he's a genuine believer. And uh, his uh, father is the one who pretty much speaks there at that church. And he felt that his father needs help in ministering the word at, at his church. But. Um, and he occasionally helps, but he feels that he's not qualified to help because of his lack of education. He, I think he has an AA degree from college. And um, you know, I shared with him about the fact I speak at our church. And he said, well, you have a degree from Berkeley. And uh, I told him that that degree in Berkeley doesn't help me <laughs> in uh, preaching the word of God. And uh, we will see that the Corinthians had a similar problem. Uh, they seemed to think that there was value in obtaining the wisdom of this world in their ministry. And uh, Paul, as, as we've been seeing in the last few weeks, he's the author of the book of 1 Corinthians. You know, really, it's a letter written to that church. And he cares about these people. They are his spiritual children. These are the people he led to the Lord. Uh, he labored among them for a, a year and a half, and then he left and ministered in other churches. And somebody comes and brings Paul a report of some of the problems in the Corinthian church. And this letter we've been reading is really full of his concern for them and his desire to help them in the, um, in the problems they've been having. And so in the section today, we will see he's addressing one of these problems, which is the particular problem of thinking that there's something in the world, something in the wisdom of the world that can help them uh, in the ministry. The first problem we saw last week was the problem of division. There was division in the church. There were what you might call uh, sects almost rising. Some people said, I am of Paul. Others said, I am of Apollos. Others said, I am of Cephas. And others, as if excluding everybody else, says, we are of Christ. And uh, that seems to have been uh, tied up to this interest in, in uh, worldly wisdom. Because we will see for the next three chapters, Paul will go back and forth between these two problems. One moment is speaking about the problem of division in the church. And the next he's speaking about the problem of their interest in worldly wisdom. So the two are somewhat connected. Uh, I passed out, I had uh, Michael pass out a handout to you with uh, an outline of the points of the message because I find that it's difficult for me to follow my thoughts, so I figured it's even harder for other people to follow my thoughts. So hopefully there's uh, this list of seven, if you would, reasons of why a believer does not really need or should not really be interested in the wisdom of the world. Paul will give these reasons in the message and we'll try to make sure that we get them as, as we go through the passage. The first one, reason number one I had listed, is that worldly wisdom leads to division in the church, right? So last time we talked about the problem of division, today we'll talk about the problem of worldly wisdom, and the two therefore must be connected, as, as you would see, as Paul goes back and forth between the two. And a verse that shows that connection, I thought well, is James chapter three, where James uh, is actually cautioning teachers that he's writing to. He's writing a passage to people who want to be teachers in the church. And uh, he says in verse 15, this wisdom, that is the wisdom some of them were utilizing to, to preach, to minister, this wisdom, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. When I was in uh, Berkeley, so I am one who went to Berkeley, uh, I had to fill this requirement, right? The requirement was I needed to have a year of English. And so I tried to sign up for English. And what do you know? The class was full, right? Familiar to anybody? (laughs) You try to go to college these days, often classes are impacted. So I asked the counselor, what can I do? They said, well, you can take rhetoric. Rhetoric fulfills the requirement of English, at least in Berkeley. Now rhetoric, for those of you who, like me, have never heard the word before when I was introduced to the class, is the science of really convincing people you're right, (laughs) right? You don't actually have to be right to convince people you're right, but it's the science. And that was probably a science that was very esteemed in Greek. You hear about all these Greek philosophers, and, you know, they really... So probably that's one of the issues in the church. You have these people who are learning the the science of rhetoric, learning how to be right. But really, as James says, uh, they're full of envy and self-seeking, and the result is there's division in the church. They're pulling one another down. They're tearing one another's arguments apart. And instead of having the unity in the church that you would want to see that Christ wants us to have, there was division now arising in the church. So the first reason against... Uh, seeking worldly wisdom in the church is that it divides up the church, right? That that wisdom does not lead to unity. It leads to division. Okay, um, verse 17 in Hebrews 7th, sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So we're now we're getting into the passage. Actually, I'm kind of borrowing this verse from Michael. If you remember, Michael shared it last week. But it, it's, it connects the the two passages together, so I'm going ahead and, and we, will, we will read that. 1 Corinthians 1, 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, Paul said, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Here's the second reason why we shouldn't seek worldly wisdom. The wisdom of the world is not needed for salvation in Christ, You don't need a degree in Berkeley, praise the Lord, to be saved. Um, some of you may be familiar with uh, Romans 1.16, where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel is the power of God to salvation, and Paul was preaching the gospel in Corinth, and, uh, and he's emphasizing the fact he did not need to use wisdom of words in order to, to uh, help people believe in the gospel. So first of all, what is the gospel? The gospel is summarized for us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse three and four. Paul says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. So Paul received the gospel. And now he's delivering it to the Corinthians, and this is a, you know, if you would, the most succinct uh, summary of the gospel in the Bible. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel, this is the message which when you believe it, you are saved, right? This is what the Bible teaches. And the message simply is that Christ died for our sins. What does that mean? First of all, it means we are sinners. If we weren't sinners, we wouldn't need Christ to die for our sins. Second of all, it means that the wages of sin is death. The Bible teaches that because we sin against God, we are estranged from God. We do not have a right relationship with him. We're separated from him. And we're headed to an eternity of separation from God in a place called the lake of fire. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. And, uh, but, but the gospel, the good news, that could be called the bad news. The good news is that Christ died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to be separated from God and head to the lake of fire. Instead, we can come into a right relationship with God here and now, enjoy fellowship with God, and continue to enjoy it for eternity in heaven, right? That's the good news of the, of the, of, of the gospel. Gospel means good news, and it's all accomplished by the simple act of Jesus dying for our sins. It doesn't take a degree from Berkeley to understand that. It's something a child can understand. And then it continued saying, and he was buried, and I take it to mean, well, Jesus was completely dead, right? I mean, if he was on the cross, he was crucified, somebody stood there with a clock and said, okay, he's dead, immediately Jesus comes back, somebody will ask, well, did he really die? In fact, there still is, even though he was buried in a tomb for three days and rose from the dead, some people still have the theory, well, maybe he wasn't really dead, right? And he just kind of resuscitated But the point of him being buried is to show he was completely dead. And then he rose again from the dead. right? Something only God could do. Proving the effectiveness of what he did for us dying on the cross. That's it. That's the gospel message. If you believe that, if you believe you are a sinner, if you believe that the wages of sin is death, but that Jesus took your place when he died on the cross and he was buried and he rose again from the dead. The Bible says you believe that you're saved, right? And again, doesn't require a degree from Berkeley to understand. And so the wisdom of the world is not needed for salvation in Christ. In fact, Paul goes on and he says, lest I I preach the gospel not with wisdom of words, that is not with this high-minded rhetoric, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Let's say I was this unique and powerful speaker, and I could use such wise words that anyone coming into this room would cow before me and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Right? It says that the cross of Christ was made of no effect. The person never really understood that he was a sinner and deserved to die, and Christ took his place. And he's not trusting in that. Instead instead he's saying, boy, this man is so smart, he must be right right it's not about convincing people that you are right it's about them coming to a genuine faith in christ based on what he did on the cross and that's why he says in chapter 2 paul is speaking to the corinthians this is uh, matt will cover it i'm stealing it from him hopefully he'll forgive me he says and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Right? Your faith must be in the power of God, not how smart the preacher is who is standing before you, for you to be saved. Okay. Reason number three said the wisdom of the world Failed to lead people to salvation in Christ. So if you have that sheet of paper in front of you, the blank word is failed. The wisdom of the world failed to lead people to salvation in Christ. Verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent Where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? When we say that God made the wisdom of this world foolish and also it says here he destroyed the wisdom of the wise, it means he brought the wisdom of this world to nothing. If you think about it, why do you have wisdom? Well, you have wisdom to be able to achieve a certain end, to bring a person to making a right decision that will be to their benefit, right? So if, uh, if you have uh, wisdom, you know, as an engineer, then you come to the right solution that helps you complete uh, the project that you have or build the device that you need. Your wisdom was effective, right? Now, what is the purpose of man? The purpose of man is really to know God and have a relationship with God and spend heaven with God, be with God forever in heaven. That's why God made us. And yet the wisdom of the world fails to lead man to do that. And in that sense, you could say God made the wisdom of the world foolish, or he destroyed the wisdom of the world. Why? Why did the wisdom of the world fail to lead people to salvation in Christ? Because the wisdom of the world tells us things that are contrary to God, uh, contrary to the way or the message of the cross. For example, uh, the wisdom of the world says that I should look, up for no, I should look out for, for number one. Who's that? It's me, <laughs> right? I should always be seeking my own advantage. And uh, so you would look at Christ. Well, who, who was Christ looking for the good of? Was Christ serving himself? No, he was serving us, he was putting our good ahead of his. Uh, the wisdom of the world, the Greeks were familiar with gods. They had many gods. And, and what do gods do? They require sacrifices from men. right? They want men to give them gifts. And yet the God of the universe gave his son as a sacrifice for us, as a gift for us. You was starting worshiping him for this morning. It says also in Acts that when Paul preached In Christ, the resurrection, they thought that that was foolishness. Paul taught that Jesus came back from the dead. And he taught that everybody who dies in Christ comes back from the dead. God gives them a new body. And they thought that was foolish. You know what? That's what the world thinks today. Somebody coming back from the dead? You must be joking. Right? And yet, that is the gospel message. Right? So it's foolishness to the world. And so the wisdom of the world does not lead us to Christ, it failed to lead people to Christ. Reason number four, we only have seven, so we're, we're halfway, we're good. Still looking at the clock. Um, reason number four, God designed the gospel against the wisdom of the world, and that's something that's hard for us uh, to accept or, or understand, but it's something that the Bible teaches Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews in Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So there it has it for us in verse 21, in the wisdom of God. So God knew from the beginning this was going to happen. Right? The world through wisdom did not know God. Now, why would God do it? Well, it's because the wisdom of the world is really in enmity against God. Uh, The verse we read in James said that uh, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, right? We have to recognize, the Bible teaches, that this world turned against God and there was a powerful angel named Satan involved in that turning, and Satan is called the ruler of the darkness of this age, And he bent people's thoughts and wisdom away from God. This world's thinking is opposite to God's thinking. And uh, so God wasn't going to cater to that in the gospel and somehow change the message to fit into worldly wisdom because worldly wisdom goes against God. It's the opposite, right? God teaches us to love others ahead of ourselves. The world teaches us to love ourselves ahead of others. How can you reconcile the two? Right? And so it really the gospel message goes against it. It says here that the gospel message is a stumbling block to the Jews. The Jews expected, we preach Christ crucified, is a stumbling block to the Jews. The, the Jews expected a Messiah that was going to come and conquer the world. In case, instead they got a Messiah that died for the world. Right, because they thought that they just needed uh, help in overcoming uh, their external enemies, right? Their external enemies being the Romans. But really what God needed to overcome was the internal enemy. That was their sin. And the only way he could overcome that was through the cross, through Christ dying on the cross for their sins. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The gospel is not foolish. It's not foolish. It is the only way a sinner like myself can go to heaven and live with a holy God without violating God's righteousness and God's holiness. Right? There is no other way. All other religions will teach you, well, if I do enough good things, right? I walk an old lady across the street enough time or enough other Good work, somehow the good will outweigh the bad, right? But it's denying the absolute holiness of God. God cannot accept any sin in heaven. And there is no other saving message out there that explains how a holy God can reconcile sinful people to himself except the cross of Christ where Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. So it is the wisdom of God. It's not the foolishness of God. Right? that brings us the gospel or the, the way of salvation. It is the power of God. It's not the weakness of God. The, Lord, the, the world looks at Christ crucified and he sees in it weakness. Here is a man who couldn't stand up to his enemies. And what was the result? He was nailed to a cross. And yet in that one mighty act on the cross, Christ Pays for the sin of all mankind, absolves mankind, and opens the gate to heaven for everyone who believes. There's never been a greater act of power, right? Since the universe was created. So it's not the weakness of God, it's not the foolishness of God, but it appears so to man. But in truth, the message of the gospel is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Reason number five of why we shouldn't be so interested in the wisdom of the world. Being wise in the world doesn't increase your likelihood to be saved, but it actually reduces your likelihood to be saved. My uh, brother-in-law Tommy plays softball, I understand, and uh, I think you already have a set team. But sometime, when we were kids, You'd go on the field, a bunch of you, and you'd have to pick teams, right? And they usually pick two captains, and uh, what would the captains do? They, they would pick their teams, and who would they pick first? Usually the best player, right? Because they want to win. But now let's say Tommy was so good, it didn't matter who he would pick. His team would win, absolutely, hands down, because he was on that team. Well, Tommy could choose this. He could pick deliberately the worst players on the team, So what? So that when his team wins, it will be clear why they won, right? It would show the glory of Tommy, right? If that was true, right? Well, that is true in the case of God, right? So when God chooses people to be saved, he doesn't choose, let's say he picked all the professors in Berkeley, and those would be the one with him in heaven, then people would say, well, no wonder they were saved. Right? They had the wisdom. They could understand this incredible, difficult message. Or they could make that best and most difficult of choices. But it's no. If, you, if we look around, I don't see any professors from Berkeley in the audience. Right? It says this. Right? It says that God has chosen. I'm sorry, I didn't read the passage. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, brothers and sisters, look at yourselves, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Nobody will be in heaven saying it was because of me. Right? Because of my wisdom, I was able to figure out the message of the gospel. Or it was because of me, all the difficult things that I did, all the heroic deeds that I did. In my, or it was because of my nobility. You know, I was such a gentle soul, always very careful with how I treated other people. Nobody will stand in heaven and, and raise his hand. I did it my way. Right? It will all be Fingers pointing to Christ. It was him. And because of what he did. Right? And so being wise doesn't help you. If anything, it keeps keeps you away uh, from salvation. Reason number six. Why we shouldn't seek the wisdom of the world. We receive true wisdom from God in Christ Verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Turn with me if you would. I don't have these verses down, so I'm going to have to flip my electronic Bible to... uh, to Matthew chapter five and we'll see who gets the first me or Luke. (laughs) All right. uh, This is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Verse two, Then he, Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I won't go on, this goes on for three chapters. But Christ gave us wisdom. Right? He gave us his teaching. If we want to know how to run a church, if we want to know what we need to do in order to be able to minister to other people, to be effective, to serve God, we don't have to look to the wisdom of the world because Christ gave it to us, right? I mean, we have in the Bible the words of Christ, and by the way, it's all of it, right? He is the word of God, the living word of God. We don't even have to restrict ourselves to the words in red. In the, uh, in the King James Version of the Bible, right? The whole, the whole Bible is the Word of God, and God gave it to us, and it contains plenty of wisdom, right? Someone said Bible stands for Basic Instruction Before Leaving Earth. Bible, B-I-B-L-E, right? Basic instruction. Everything we need to know is in the Bible, right? We don't need to look to the world to know how to, uh, to serve God. He adds, saying that Christ Jesus is not only wisdom from God, he is righteousness and sanctification and redemption, speaking about the fact that really our salvation comes through Christ. Well, if our salvation comes f- through him, shouldn't we also look to his word for wisdom? Right. right? We're trusting him for our salvation. We can trust him for wisdom as well. Reason number seven. God designed for us. God's design for us in Christ holds greater glory than the world. And verse 31: That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I made a joke this morning. We were having a chocolate croissant at the Shapiro Gillette household, and uh, I made a statement: God doesn't share his Glory, I don't share my chocolate croissant. <laughs> but uh, the truth is God does share his glory with us, right? And, and that's something that we don't, uh, I think sometimes we fail to understand. God is not selfish with his glory. He wants to share it with us. Uh, God has an amazing future in mind for us. People use the wisdom of the world because they think it'll get them places, right? They think if I go to Berkeley, and, and by the way, I'm not against going to college, right? I have nothing against going to college. There's a lot of good reasons to go to college. Um, I enjoy my job today. I couldn't have my job without going to college, right? Um, you can go to college to be able to get a job to serve the Lord. People who went to college to become doctors or nurses so they can serve the Lord as missionaries Right? So, I mean, that's fine. You could go to college to serve the Lord. You know, there's a lot of ministry. I got saved in college. (laughs) So the Lord is working at colleges. There's nothing wrong in going to college in and of itself. But people typically seek to go to college or acquire the wisdom of the world to somehow further their end. They want to be, you know, rich or they want to have people thinking highly of them. There's all kinds of things people want to get And they think that the path for it is through obtaining the wisdom of of the world. But God has a far higher goal and design for us than anyone on earth has. Right? You ain't seen nothing yet. Right? If you look at this world, (laughs) this is not, man has not attained to God's purpose for him. When God created man, he had a much higher design for man than he's manifested in the world today, and we get some hints of it uh, even in First Corinthians. It's in 1 Corinthians, chapter six, verse three, Paul is uh, you know so upset with the believers for some of the silly behavior. Uh, he he says, "Do you not know that we shall judge angels in heaven?" Oh, in Christ's future kingdom on earth, if angels will be present, we are going to have a higher position than angels. Right? It's uh, in case, you know, you're not gonna accept 1 Corinthians. On that, I have another verse for you. Hebrews chapter two <coughs> says, for he, God, has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels God has not put the world to come, will not be in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. So God has a very high calling for us Finally, Revelation chapter 5. And this is the worship song in the throne room of heaven. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us... Kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So, so we have a position in glory, or you know, in the future, a position of glory such as this world has not yet seen. But as, as it says in 1 Corinthians, he who glories, because we will be able to glory, let him glory. In the Lord, and that's what we see in Revelation. Why were they giving Jesus the glory? Why were they worshiping Him? You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. So, so in our position in heaven, our position in Christ's millennial kingdom, our position of glory, we will always have that. Chief thought in mind, it's because of what he did for us on the cross that we have it. So that's why God can share his glory with us, give us a position of glory. It's because it always causes us to point back to him and to appreciate him for it. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your uh, love to us. We consider, Lord, that we were not worthy of your salvation. We were of those who sought the wisdom of the world. We were of those who sought, thought contrary to your wisdom and I shook our fist, so to speak, against God. And yet you made known to us your love in the gospel. You revealed to us our sin, and you revealed to us your love to us that Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we can be together with him in heaven forever we pray for anyone here who has not yet believed in that message put their trust in you lord that you will loosen the bonds of the wisdom of the world and help them come to you for we ask it in jesus name amen